You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Sturchio Show. I'm your host, the only host here, Dave Sturchio. I hope everybody's doing well out there. I want to thank everybody first and foremost for downloading the first two episodes of this uh, passion project that I got going on right now. Uh, I'm very excited about the response. I'm very excited about the positivity. Uh, I have not, and I truth be told, I have not heard anything negative yet. So that's a good thing, right? Um, I am my own worst critic. Sometimes I could feel like, all right, the second episode sucked. The first one was better because it told more of a story, but the second episode kind of like narrowed in on one uh, one facet of my life. Uh, but yeah, I mean, look, we're, we're catching up to speed right now. That's what I like to do in the first couple episodes. This might be the last one to catch you up to what uh, what I got going on, because if, if last episode was the career on the path of that, um, and then this one is a, a one near and dear to my heart because of the fact that like it pretty much saved my life in ways, and I'll get into it, but it's pretty much... Uh, dedicated to the to the life style of becoming a professional wrestler. Now I know this isn't as cool as uh, some other things, and some people might look at this like, "Ah, what a loser," you know. Uh, but look, the story runs deep, man. The story the the story runs deeper than most stories because I believe that professional wrestling along with my Dallas Cowboys and my sports teams are the farthest relationship that I've had in my life. You know, like obviously I have my parents and my brother and like my family, but like outside of that pro wrestling and, and, and sports football in particular, baseball in particular, basketball, definitely um, not uh, hockey, obviously a, a big component. A, a lot of my friends um, were excited this year for a little while. I'm a Rangers fan. So, you know, I digress with that one, but um, so professional wrestling, I remember being at home, and scrolling on the TV and then putting on uh, the USA Network in which it was either Saturday morning or Sunday morning, one of those two. You could look back in 1992 of the date. But the first thing I've ever seen in professional wrestling, I tell the story all the time, was the barbershop. Um, and I, you're like, what the hell? What do, you, what do you mean a barbershop? Yes, Brutus the Barber Beefcake was a professional wrestler that had a almost like a talk show called The Barbershop in which he would bring on guests and they would cut promos and this, that, and the third. So that was the first thing I saw. And his guests were the Rockers. The Rockers were Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty. Um, I didn't know what I was looking at. I, I was like, right, what is this? I'm young. I'm like seven. Um, should I be watching TV on my own at seven? Yeah, probably. Yeah, why not? Um, so... I see what transpires, and I'm like, wait a minute. You know, uh, it seems like this team is having some problems, right? And I'm trying to figure out, what, what again, what am I watching here? Um, and they resolve it. And, you know, Brutus the Barber Beefcake goes, hey, ladies and gentlemen, the Rockers, right? And they're all celebrating. And then Shawn Michaels kicks Marty Jannetty's head off with what I didn't know was called a super kick at the time and then proceeds to throw him through the plate glass window of the barbershop. And I said... One, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And two, that is the coolest dude I've ever seen do anything on television. And I've seen a lot of movies, right? Um, so there I was at a young age uh, of just just getting captivated by what Shawn Michaels just did to Marty Jannetty. And every Sunday after that, I would watch it and I would develop this this love for it. And it's like, oh, who is this guy? Why is the Ultimate Warrior look that way? Is Hulk Hogan really the best thing going right now? Was I a Hulkamaniac? No, I was not. I was not one of those kids. I know a lot of kids grow up like Hulkamaniacs or like, oh, Hulk Hogan's the greatest thing ever. Me, I was Shawn Michaels through and through. I'm like, everybody hates this guy and I love it. You know, I was like, this is incredible. Like, he had sensational Sherry. Imagine. Being that egotistical back then, to have your your valet who can't sing worth the lick uh, sing your theme song, and I was like, man, this guy, he is just all world good. I saw his early his early feuds with Bret Hart, and obviously, as he grew older, the DX thing came around, and, and in middle school, I'm telling people to suck it. I'm like doing the crotch chop. I'm getting detentions and shit. Um, Dad didn't know about that. Mom didn't know about that. Uh, detentions. I was just like, oh yeah, no, it's afternoon kickball. It's weird. Uh, I'm just gonna be there for the remainder of the afternoon. Uh, but yeah, it was detention because I was literally going around just bam, 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 just telling people to suck it left and right. I didn't even know what that meant. I, I really didn't. I was just like, I don't know what there's. Oh wait a minute, right? It's like, oh, that's why it's not allowed. Um, so 
my whole life, I loved it. Uh, and, and I mentioned him, and I'll mention him a, a million times over. Uh, I grew up with my best friend, John. He was a big ECW guy. Like, he he stayed up late. He always stayed up late. Every sleepover I ever had with this kid, he was up late. And I'm like, I don't know how you do it. I tried, and I do. And, look, this is before you can drink and fuck, you know, or know exactly what you're doing when you're staying up late. We were just eating Elio's pizza and watching ECW. So I got to know that product pretty well, too. But when I'm looking at ECW, I'm like, this isn't this isn't uh, normal. Like, why why is he why is he bleeding so much? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I was like, this this is a little too much. Um, but he was a big fan of New Jack. God rest his soul. Who I met down the line in my career, which I actually told him the story. Um, for whatever reason, don't get me. I, I don't know why. Savio Vega, big fan of Savio Vega. Don't know. The kid wasn't Spanish by any stretch. Wasn't Puerto Rican. Had like this year round tan, right? Uh, and my friend Johnny, year round tan, just not. He wasn't Hispanic, so I don't know how he did it, but he did. It. He pulled it off. Um, but anyway, so I grew up with him, and obviously, when you're when you're growing up and you're you're loving wrestling, what you want to do is you want to wrestle. You want to you want to be those guys. You want to be these larger than life uh, characters. So that's what I was trying to do. Uh, we were doing the trampoline wrestling, the backyard wrestling, the pool wrestling, um, everything that you can do just to each other, just like uh, pretending that you were the champion, creating your own federations, uh, doing everything that you can do as a kid. Uh, but at the same time, still having that, like, in the back of your mind, like, yeah, this is fun, but could I ever actually do it? Like, could I ever actually, like, could we be tag team champions? I know we talk about it all the time, JD. I know we talk about it all the time, but can we do this? And he's like, hell yeah, we could do this. We're going to be the next Harlem Heat. We're going to be the next Dudley Boys. We're going to be next all these, all these tag teams that we grew, you know, watch growing up. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we can. Let's do that. So, that like, we had those aspirations in the back of my mind. Look, sports get in the way. Girls get in the way. Things get in the way as, as we get older. But we still kept that, obviously, our friendship. But, we, like, the, the passion for wrestling, we weren't staying up anymore till 2 in the morning. For that, we were staying up on AOL chat, and we were talking to girls. You know, like, we, we got into that. Thank God, right? <laughs> so, like, because, lo- listen, I'm not about to paint a bad picture of the generic professional wrestling fan, but nine times out of ten, there are people that just... I'm not going to say socially awkward by any stretch, but man, do they get deep, like rooted into this stuff and they just lose sight of everything else. So there's nine times out of 10, they might be uh, a little late to get in the sack or get, you know, or uh, hey, listen, maybe, maybe they have, maybe they gotten laid more times than, than anybody else I've ever met, but like you wouldn't notice it. You wouldn't, you wouldn't call that out. And I don't want to make fun of all wrestling fans. Cause I think, you know, I'm one of them. So like and the guy, I do a podcast, I've done a million podcasts and I got into the business. So it's obviously, you know, not, um, I, again, I, I don't want to paint it the picture. Like, Oh my God, all these wrestling fans are goobers. And like, they live in their mom's basement. A lot of them do, <laughs> but you know, the good ones don't, um, in any event. So we have this dream aspirations and stuff like that. And I'm doing a bunch of jobs. And as you know, that in 2007, I started chasing the broadcasting dream, did the Giants internship. I talked about that last episode, um, getting all these, I wouldn't say rinky dink jobs. I think some of the jobs that I've had really taught me a lot of experiences along the way. And one of my favorite jobs of all time, this might be my favorite job of all time. Outside of owning my own business, the best job that I ever had was working with my dad. And let me tell you something, going to work with your dad, A, you don't have to drive because he'll drive in every day. Um, you know, that was a, a perk. I could literally take my my pillow and just sleep the rest of the way up and then wake me up like, all right, Dave, here we go. Um, he didn't know this. He probably knew this. But, like, I had my own little mini office in the in the warehouse, and I used to <laughs> I used to go right back to sleep until he would come down. It wasn't until he hit that platform right above me where I'm like, oh, shit, man, I got to get up. I got to pretend. Flick that light on and pretend. I was like, oh, I'm just doing inventory. Sorry, Pop. <laughs> so he, he had to have known that. Um, if he didn't, then it's breaking news, and he's going to break his heart. Uh, but, yeah, listen, I got my work done. But, listen, I loved working with my dad. I think it was a great thing. It, it got me and him closer. We got into the – Fantasy football and, and football highlights and listen to the same radio show going in, same radio show going home. You know, we would do the cre- uh, Boomer and Carton in the morning going up. And then on the way back, Michael K., Don LaGreca, that show. Uh, if I fell asleep, he'd put on uh, some kind of political bullshit. that I, I was just like, oh, who's this guy? Oh, yeah, he makes sense. And uh, he's kind of annoying. Um, but anyway, so that was the greatest job in the world. Um, but in that time was the time where Things started going a little different. Now, previously, uh, 2007, John passes away, tragically. Ruins any aspirations that I have um, of doing the professional wrestling thing because I'm like, I'm not doing it without him, right? So it was 2012, and it's like March. And I'm, uh, listen, I don't know much about the indies. I'm not 
or back then at least, I didn't know that there was any wrestling that existed outside of WWE, WCW, ECW, and like obviously Impact was on its way or TNA, whatever the hell you want to call it. Um, they were on their way as well. And like this was long before any kind of Monday Night War. Like it was, that's what I knew. Um, but now in 2012, still knowing just a couple companies, um, I was told that in Rawway, which is literally in my backyard, um, that there was going to be an independent show featuring Matt Hardy versus Psycho Sid. And I'm like, wait a minute, like these guys do this? And you know, when their careers are done here, they go here. And it's not where all the legends go to die. Trust me, some of the guys that have made their names on the independents and, and success, more successful names on the independents, they're out there. You know, your Cole Cabanas of the world, your Matt Ryder, um, Zach Ryder, Matt Cardone, like, look at that, I've confused both of them. Uh, they're like one person. Uh, but anyway, so like guys like that, they have made some impactful moves on the independent scene. And there are legends in this business that have just stayed in the independent scene, and that's where they started and got a couple breaks here and there, but have literally become legends on the independent wrestling scene. Dan Moff, you know, those guys, like, obviously, Kevin Matthews recently had some real good success. He was signed to WWE early, but, like, he loved, you know, he he's one of my mentors. Pat Buck, same thing, you know, he's obviously a producer at AEW. Um, but, like, there's a lot of guys that were just legends and I was like you know what the hell with it I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go to this independent show I'm gonna bring the girlfriend I was dating at the time uh my buddy Evan my buddy Rich who I just went to Nashville with uh he's getting married this uh this fall and um I'm thinking my buddy Brett was there I I'm foggy on it maybe he was I'm pretty sure he was so anyway we go and the store, the, the the show starts off with with this guy, this redheaded dude comes out, got a goatee on, has a polo and jeans, and I'm like, all right, well, this is how the show's going to start. Wonder who this is, right? And it turned out to be Pat Buck. Pat Buck, uh, again, big on the OVW scene, never got signed to WWE because of whatever reason you want to discuss, he's discussed it plenty. Whether he thought he was too small, too too short, too you know, haircut wasn't right, whatever the case may be. He's one of the smartest guys in the world of professional wrestling that I've ever come across. And he went out there to address the crowd, and I have no idea what he was going to do. Was he going to be like, hey, everybody, welcome to, you know, Pro Wrestling Syndicate? And I was like, no, he actually told the crowd in that moment that Psycho Sid was, was not going to show up. And we're like, wait a minute. So we paid this money for to see Psycho Sid and Matt Hardy. Like, how do you solve this? What Pat did that day was that he called Sid on the phone, put the microphone up to the phone and let the crowd basically rip Sid a new asshole for not showing up. Sid used the excuse of not having his wallet or something like that. I don't remember, but the crowd tore him apart. And I said, Whoa, man, that promoter's got some balls. <laughs> like, look at him go. This is great. Little did I know he was in action later on against the young bucks. Go figure that one out. Um, but anyway, so at that moment, I was like, this is really cool. And then when I walked out into the corridor, the common area, if you're a rawway rec center, it's where Kevin sets up all his merch. Um, you know, I, I'm looking around and and I get told that in in uh, June there's going to be a school. Pat's going to open up a school, and I was like, no way! Like, if this isn't a sign, my first independent show that I've ever been to is telling me that there's going to be a local school right here in Rahway. And I'm like, well, you know, I've always wanted to do it. John passed away, so the whole tag team thing is out. But I went back and I I talked to John's family because I was obviously I remained close. And I said, look, I think I want to do this. You know, I think I want to do this for the both of us. You know, for for John looking over me and me doing this, I was like, you know what? The hell with it. Let me, let me give it a shot. I, I don't know what it's going to turn out to be. I have no idea. I might take one punch or one bump and just say, you know what? The hell with this shit. I'm not doing it, right? I don't know what it's going to be. So then I, who else do you have to approach? You have to approach your family. And I approached my family. And I was like, hey, um, this is what I want to do. Uh, I don't know if it's the smartest idea, but it could be something cool. So, like, a lot of people come back with the frowns and like, oh, man, come on. You really want to do this shit? Like, it's wrestling, bro. Like, it's it's, it's an you know, independence. Like, what, what are you going to do? And I was like, well, you know, just give me a shot. You know, let, let, let's just see how this goes, and we'll see how it goes. Like, who knows? So, there's an open house. I go. Man, was I blown away. Um, there was a bunch of students over there or, a, a, you know, students at, to be, and I was I was very pumped. Pat sold his whole story to me wasn't even like a sell I was just like this is great he did tell me one thing that stuck with me to this day he said once you get into the world of professional wrestling you won't remember anything before it 
because it consumes you and it, and you live this lifestyle and you got to change different things on the immediate, your diet, your workout regimen, your tan, your hair, everything it just goes into it and it just consumes your life. And I was like, I don't know if I want to do that. You know, like, I don't, I don't know if I want to give up everything, you know, like I love pizza. I love beer. You know, like there was ways to manipulate how I looked to start. And let me tell you something. When I go back and I look at that shit, I'm like, good Lord, how did you call yourself destruction? What are you destructing? You are a tiny little man. Um, but now, and now I'm like, fucking one of my guys to call me. He was like, bro, you're a defensive lineman at this point, uh, which is great. You know, I feel good. Um, but so there I was, open house. Hey, day one is June, I think, 12th, 2012. You want in, get yourself some sneaks or, or wrestling shoes. Some elbow pads, knee pads, hygiene, and a positive attitude. I'll see you then. And I was like, huh? I'm in. Let's do it. I, I got all that shit right now. There was certain things that were dragging me down. Um, obviously, I was thinking about John the whole time. I lost my grandmother around that time. Um, I felt like she she was like my mo the most important person to me in my world. Just because she just, everything she did for me was just like the, the littlest, stupidest, tiniest things. And I'm not stupidest, but you know what I mean? Like these just little things. Like I would go to, uh, I don't know, just anywhere for a trip with a friend or whatever. And she would always like hug me, kiss me, but then slip me like a 20, right? And you go, for your trip, dear. For your trip, dear. I always heard that. For your trip, dear. She bought me jerseys. She she didn't have to do any of this stuff. My dad was, you know, he was providing for me. I didn't need any of this, right? But grandma, little Rosie, man, like, there's something about her. She was always my favorite person, always my favorite person to see. The, the one-liners that came from her were just incredible. Um, but everybody has that grandma where you're just like, man, she is just pff, rock star, you know? So I lost her. So things were happening, and I was dating a girl at the time that just wasn't good for my mental health, um, you know, without getting into too much detail. She just, you know, turns out she's cheating on me the whole time, the entire time, right? I was like, I knew it was... <laughs> This is going to get like too, not too specific, but I was like, I knew there was a reason. Like if we weren't doing anything, you shouldn't be the way you are right now. You know, like, so I was like, something's, something's up, but I was so blinded. I was just like, ah, she's a blonde and she's fit. And I'm going to, this is great. This is my little wing girl here. I'm going to, you know, people are going to look at me like, how did he pull that? And then I look back and I'm just like, oh boy, <laughs> like <laughs> you were blinded. Huh? You know, holy shit. Um, but again. I can't even say that she meant well because I don't think she did. Um, she took me away from my family and my friends. So then when wrestling started, there was a lot of animosity. There was like, I had to go three nights a week. And, you know, who knows what the hell she was doing those three nights. Well, now I've you know, come to find out I knew what she was doing or who she was doing those, um, those three nights a week. But in any event, it wasn't good for my mental health. But I, I realized that it was, it was towards the end of the road for a relationship that I was holding on to for dear life. Uh, for whatever reason, and again, you can't think about stuff like that and you're just like, I can't believe I wasted all this time. Like, no, it taught me a lesson, right? It taught me all the lessons that I needed to, to, to be taught. Um, so anyway, so that happens. Uh, now it's coming time to a couple of my first practices. And when I tell you, when I took some bumps, I'm like, bro, anybody ever, ever tells me this shit is fake again, I'm going to annihilate them. <laughs> like, there's, there is no way that you could possibly tell me this is fake like bruised ribs, concussions, like rolled ankles within the first like two months. And I was like, this ain't for me. I can't do it. So I'm going to stop. And I remember, and I'll never forget this for the, as long as I live, that first show that I went to, that independent show, there was a main event switch because Sid didn't show. They dressed a man named Jay Lethal like Sid. Had the vest, came out to the music. Hilarious, right? We all know, if you're a wrestling fan, you know Jay Lethal is a local guy from New Jersey who made it to the big time because of his impressions and his skill set. Like, he was, he does the greatest Ric Flair. He does the greatest Macho Man. He does all this stuff. He came in to guest uh, train one day, and I remember we were just doing a flat back bump, like the, the typical way you're supposed to fall in wrestling, and I couldn't get it right. I was landing on my tailbone. I was hitting my head. I was. It was just the worst, and I remember getting up, and slamming the mat. I'm talking, bang. I'm like, fuck, right? And I'm just like, this is terrible. I suck at this. How do I not know how to fall? And I remember him pulling me off to the side. And he's like, look. He's like, you see those two guys in there? He's referring to Pat and Kevin. He goes, he goes, are they frustrated with you? And I said, no. He goes, if they're not frustrated with you, and the guest trainer isn't frustrated with you, you can't be frustrated with yourself. You're new at this. Cut yourself a break. And I was like, 
All right. All right. And I proceeded to fall wrong with the rest of the class. But like at the same time, I had that mentality. Like Jay Lethal just took me aside and told me like, hey, man, you're going to be fine. Just stay the course. So I did that entire summer. Um, training, bumping, uh, you know, doing certain things along the way. And we, we all knew that it all cul- like culminated in September. After three months of training, there was going to be a student battle royal. I will preface this that guess what? Wrestling isn't fake. It is scripted. Pat told us, hey, listen, if you get the most support, okay, a.k.a. sell the most tickets, you're going to win this thing. And I was like, well, then fuck everybody else. I'm going to win this thing. If this is my first match, I got 25 other dudes in there mixed between all the new students and, like, some vets, I'm there's no way I'm losing this thing. So with the help of local bar Big Shots when it was good and it was owned by Mike DeCrosta, um, I was out there. I told him the deal. I said, look, man. They're going to give the winning spot to the person that sells the most tickets. Like, and like, truth be told, I, I need to win this thing, right? So it's funny because, like, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to condone um, ticket pushing and, 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 you know, ticket selling and all that shit because it's not, it's not what you want to do, right? It's not like one of those things where it's just like, oh, man, you know, yeah, ticket seller battle royal because there are some bad, bad independents out there that just literally give spots to, any Joe Schmo for selling 10 tickets. And you're like, I'll wrestle. And you're like, sure you will. And then go out there and they break their fucking neck, right? And it's just like, oh boy, right? So now I don't condone it. However, I had local support. Things were picking up. There was a after party scheduled for me the night of that show. Win or lose, I was going to have an after party. And if you bought a ticket to the show, you got like two free drinks at the bar. Like there was a, he ran a promotion surrounded by me. Um, Preface this, I did work there <laughs> once upon a time as a bouncer. Um, I did make friends with a lot of the staff, Mike being one of them, a lifelong friend who I still consider one of the, the greatest humans out there right now. And what I'm telling you is this. Let's just say the second place guy <laughs> sold like 45 tickets. And I was like, nice. I sold like 150 or some shit. <laughs> like I went ham. And imagine if I got a cut of that. I would have made, I would have fucking had all this money in my pocket, but I'm a rook. I can't do that. But I made them a lot of money. And on that first day, the destruction chant was born before the match started. Nobody, nobody understood who the fuck they were even talking about, right? I got people in the back looking at me hard, like, all right, you little piece of shit. Who are you and why are they chanting your name? You know, I was just like, a lot of people want to go get free drinks. What do you want me to tell you? Um, but that was the start of it. And that first couple months, man, I won that student battle royal. I got featured on the next card in a 10-man tag. The next card was a six-man tag. It was all kind of leading up to the, to one, me, and this one guy, and I love him to death, Damian Gibbs, the prince of aesthetics, carved out of stone, right? Looked the part, and here I am, little soft destruction with, like, no muscle mass whatsoever. But here I was calling myself that. And... It all culminated in December of 2012 when we had our first one-on-one match. That month, Mike said, how many tickets do we got to sell to get your ass on the flyer? <laughs> I was like, I have no idea. Like, we just went over this, uh, you know, I, the, the support for the first couple months was astronomical. After parties, after every show, all my friends were loving that. They were loving the fact that I had this, like, local notoriety. I was swinging high, right? And let me just backtrack for one second. On that night of that first event, the girlfriend was still there, and she went with her mother, and I had all my family and friends there, and everybody had a scheduled plan to go to this after party afterwards. And after the, the, the night was over, and we're all kind of wrapping up, and I see all my friends and family in the, in the corridor area, and they're all going to Big Shots, and I'm like, this is going to be great. She gives me the, I'm tired, let's just go home. And I said, wait a minute, hold on. I was like, these people, they're all... They're all going for me. Like, I got, I got to go. I got to show faith. Can we just show faith? She's like, I'm tired. I don't feel well. She pulled that off a lot. I don't feel well. I was like, oh, man. I was like, so, like, for that split second, I really did think. I was like, man, am I going to dip on my own celebration here? Like, I can't. I just put all this work in. So, she put out this, um, this one line. And she said, none of these people are going to remember you after this show. So, let's just go home. And I looked at her and I said, look, I can't even thank you for anything that you've done to me in the past couple of years. I never want to talk to you again. And I left and I never talked to her again. 
Not one text, not one email, not nothing. Cut her off out of my life. And let me tell you something, I partied my balls off that night, met so many good people. That was a good time. And it was like a coming to Jesus moment where I was like, this is this is what I needed to do. Eliminate the bad, ride the high wave, right? So this whole the whole fall of that year was incredible, right? Now, keep in mind, Kevin, who's one of the bookers there, or not at the time, but he had a, a group called Reality Check, right? It was like the stable of PWS. And I was like, wouldn't it be so cool to, to be in with those guys? Well, guess what? <laughs> he recruited me. Because why? Why why would you recruit me? Because I'm the best wrestler on the roster? No, no, no. Because I have all the support right now. So I know that if I'm featured with those guys, then I'm going to I'm gonna continue to bring the people in the support. Now, look, did the support diminish over time? Yeah. 150 people aren't going to show up for me every time. It's just not the way it works. But I would say it never got less than like 25, 30 people, you know, of just, they wanted to see all this shit. They wanted to see the action. So Kevin recruits me into a reality check. I have a ball with that. And now I'm, I'm in this group and I'm now I'm featured. And every time he goes out to do a promo, I'm in the background. I'm feeling good. January, February, March, all this shit feels great. Um, eventually, uh, they go to, we do a super card where it was like, I had this moment where I could just kind of be myself and rock a sleeveless and, 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 uh, like warm up, uh, pants or whatever, you know, those tearaways, like feel like Brock Lesnar for like a half a minute, cut a promo on Brett, the Hitman Hart, who by the way, had left and skipped town before we can even have him because of, well, I digress with the reason, but I was there. I met Brett, right? I met Jake the snake in that first run. I met all these guys. Goldust, I'll never forget. Uh, Goldust is Dustin Rhodes. I, I'll never forget. He was the second seminar I took. I for, took the first seminar with Matt Hardy in September. Took another seminar with Dustin Rhodes in uh, in in December. I remember he told me something. I said I would apply it in my match, and I didn't. And he was the first person I saw in the back. And he's like, "You got up," and I was like, "I know." He's like, "You, you didn't listen." I was like, "I know." <laughs> so nothing's perfect, but um, yeah. So anyway, a lot of fun in that first six months, uh, the reality check thing ends and now Damien turns his back on me. Right. And I go through this run. So now the, the back end of 2013, Oh, by the way, I wrestled Mr. Belding, right? If you're a saved by the bell fan, he was in one of my matches. I was featured. I had all these, these incredible moments. I was on the card with guys like Kevin Owens, right? He was there. Like these are guys on independence. I wrestled on the same card of Lance Storm and Jerry Lynn's last match, right? I was there for that. So I know a lot of these names are like, if you're not a wrestling fan, you're like, I don't know who the fuck these guys are, so it doesn't matter. But these guys are legends in the business, and I'm, I'm featured on these shows. Um, I main evented one uh, event. It was a student show, but at the same time, I'm like, I was chose to be the main event guy uh, to, to be a tag team with Damian and go for the tag titles. You know, so it was very, it was a very fun, fun run. All the way through 2013, it felt awesome. Had my solo push. Then at the back end of 2013, they put me in another tag team with a guy named the Big O. Uh, very, very cool guy. He was featured a lot during Zack Ryder's like, uh, Z Hollywood True Story, whatever it was. Um, so he had a big following. So they put us together. They called us the Powers of Destruction. It was a cool tag team, but man, oh, man, was that short-lived. Um, he broke his ankle like after our second match together. So now I had to go back to the solo route now. Blessing in disguise, sort of. Solo route. January, there's a rumble. He's there to help me support. Like, he, you know, he, he like, brings me out for the rumble. I did a lot of rumbles, by the way. Um, and if you know what a rumble is, it's when all the people are in the ring and you got to throw people over the top rope. And, and I didn't win them all. I actually, I lost all the rest of them after I won the first one. Um, but uh, what was I saying? Okay, so that's happening. Then 2014, April hits. And I get a text from Pat Buck saying, do you want to work Duggan? And I'm in my kitchen at the time. I'm like, Duggan? Like, like Axel Jim Duggan? Like, oh, that guy? And he's like, yeah, real easy. He won't lose. I was like, okay, so I'm going to lose the Hacksaw Jim I was like, fuck it. It's Hacksaw fucking Jim Duggan. I grew up watching this guy. So, yes, of course. Great match there. They had it in the high school that I was born in that same town of Belleville. So I had a nice little support group there. But I was... I was outnumbered, you know, the, the USA chance were a little bit more than the destruction chance. And let me tell you something. That was the first time I felt like I was the bad guy. Right. And I was just like, man, this sucks. I don't, I don't like this at all. <laughs> right? Like this, this isn't fun. I don't like being booed. Right. Um, so 
I do that match. It was awesome. And when I say awesome, it was, you know, just basic. The most basic thing you could possibly do in wrestling is wrestle Hacksaw Jim Duggan. I'm sure there's a million independent people that have done that, especially down his, like, further line. I remember introducing myself to him, and he said, hey, kid, you know, we're going to do some work tonight. And by the way, my right arm ain't working so well, so we're going to do everything lefty. And I was taught the other way. I'm like, great. Great to meet you, man. This is going to be fun, right? And um, so I had the match, and, and and I had a lot of my family there, and it was just a just an awesome time, man. It was just so so cool, so surreal. I have that on DVD. I watch it every so often, just to, just the nostalgia, and not because like, oh, look at me, I wrestle. Just because I was like, man, my whole family's out there. I got to point them out when I was doing my entrance and blah blah blah. So it was a fun time. Then comes the tragic times. Okay, so the following week. Um, they're, they're coming up with the next card and I get a text saying that we're going to put you in the suicidal six way, which is a six man, like scramble match where it's just like high intensity the entire time. And I'm like, Oh Jesus Christ, I can't do that. But I was like, you know what? No, I, I just, I'm coming off this hacksaw match. I feel good about it. Let's do it. Uh, we had spots. I worked out with Matt McIntosh one time. He said, you're going to spear me through the ropes to the floor. I'm like, this is going to be fucking nuts. I can't believe I'm doing this. Um, and then there was one time in practice where I just took a simple headlock takeover from a student. Now, was I muscled over? Yeah, a little bit. I didn't jump as well as I should have. So because I was muscled over, when I say muscled over, forced, right? Like you don't have control of your body. Got my leg caught under me on the landing, blew my ACL, blew my meniscus. Wrestling was over for me at that moment. I was like, oh, my God. And I looked up at Pat, who was sitting on the turnbuckle, and I, and I can't move my leg, and I'm like, did I land weird? And he's like, yeah, a little funky. And I was like, oh my God, like I just blew my knee. Like what just, what just happened? I couldn't walk. I don't know why I couldn't walk. Some people could walk on a torn ACL, a torn meniscus. Some people could walk. I couldn't walk. I felt like I was locked. I was like, what the fuck? I go to the hospital, you know, x-rays come back negative. I'm like, oh, cool. I didn't break anything. That's great. And I didn't know. I mean, clearly you don't know when you tear something. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you don't. MRI comes back. Hey, by the way, you're going to be out for a year. Uh, you tore your ACL and your meniscus. And I was like, son of a bitch. I'm like, man, like I felt like the best I felt in my early career. Did I think that I was going to go to the new heights of the world and become this superstar wrestler? No, probably not. I wasn't as gifted as some of the guys that have come in there. The the Anthony Bowens of the world, the uh, Bobby Waywards of the world, Matt McIntosh, I mentioned him before. So all these guys that are coming in, they're passing me by without even me getting injured. They're just that good. And we all see what happened to some of these guys. Uh, uh, Bobby Wayward's in like half the main events in, in WrestlePro. Anthony Bowens gets signed to AEW. And now he's in the fucking Scissor Me Daddy, uh, the acclaimed, right? So they're doing wonderful. I knew that from, I'll never forget the first day he, he walked into class and he did like a couple things. I said to my, I'm like, motherfucker, I'm like, this sucks. I'm going to be so, I am going to be passed by. Because I wasn't Mr. Athletic or like acrobatic. I was, I like to punch, I like to kick, I like to stomp, I like to spear. That's all I like to do. I was very basic. I like to drop a suplex or, a, you know, a vertical suplex or a belly to belly, whatever. It's very Brock-esque. You don't see Brock jumping off the top, right? That's who I wanted to be. So here I am, torn ACL. What do I do next? I show up for a couple promo classes. You know, like I just, I didn't know what was up. So in that time of rest comes uh, Pro Wrestling Powerhouse, who I talked to you guys about last episode. They come up to me and say, hey, do you want to do a podcast, a, a wrestling podcast? So I do that. I go into that world. But all the whole time, I still want to be involved with Pat and, and, and the crew, right? So he offers me a spot to become, uh, to do a little commentary. And I got to do commentary next to Sam Roberts, who obviously has his own show. He's on Sirius XM. I got to do that with him uh, for a little while. I felt myself getting better like seven, eight months in. I'm like, am I coming back? Yeah, I'm definitely coming back. But like, lo and behold, I was like, you know what? This commentary thing is really fun too. Um, and I definitely enjoy it. But uh, so it's my comeback. It's after... About 11 months, I want to say it took. Now, I was on the commentary media team at the time, so I told the guy, I pitched it to Pat, I said, what if I just, like, showed up in my in my media gear? You know, like, I wore, like, a button-down shirt with jeans, right? What if I just took the button-down shirt off, I got my tank on and jeans, and here I am, Dave's making his comeback. They agreed. They are like, yeah, let's do it. So I'm doing, like, Hindu squats, which are just, like, body squats in the back, trying to get ready for my big, guess what, rumble, um, rumble, comeback time and I fucking tore my pants <laughs> right then and there I was like no way is this happening I had to wear like my workout pants 
I looked like a fucking gym teacher coming through that entranceway. They cheered. Trust me. It was cool. Uh, after that, I got a one-on-one match with, I'll never forget him. He's a NXT referee right now. Eddie Franken, Eddie Spaghetti, Philip Simon II, whatever you want to call him. I had a, a squash match in March where I made my official like one-on-one return. I felt my best. The knee was good. I spear the life out of him. I win the match. This is where like my mental capacity couldn't handle not knowing what was next. The next card is announced, and I'm not really like I'm I'm not on it. I'm not booked, right? And I'm just like, man, what the fuck? You know, like I just I just, you know, I just had this awesome match. Like this is 2015 now. I was like, why why can't I just uh do do something with me? Where, where, where's creative? You know, like I got ahead of myself. I got like a big head where I'm like, I'm Dave Destruction. I just came back. You better put me in someone good. And they didn't. And unfortunately for me, who you've noticed over the course of now three episodes, I like to talk. So I went on a podcast with somebody and it never saw the light of day after I told him to delete it. Um, but too many people heard it. I shot off at the mouth and I was fired. I was told to not come back. Um, Cause I was just mentally not, I wasn't capable of handling how they were booking me. And I was like way over the top thinking, I, I'm like, bro, I'm fucking Dave destroy. What are you talking about? Like I'm the man. And little did I know everybody else was way better than me. Right. And I'm like, I, but my, mentally I was like, I'm, I just came back. You better put me in that title. Pe- I don't even know what the hell I want. I really don't. I, I don't know what I wanted. Um, but I was fired. Pat told me to go scratch. And I was like, holy shit. Now what? Right. Um, Wanting to still be in wrestling, I was booked by a guy named Rob Fury for SWF that still exists today. He books me against who? Eddie Spaghetti, same guy, Eddie Franken. I have a, another match with him in which this was the first interaction I have had with the rest of the the locker room that was booked that day, and I've been out of the game for a couple months, and I was just like, hey, guys, you know, I just fell out of place. Um, I lose that match, right? And I was like, all right, well, whatever, you know, like, Cool. My goal was to just make it without getting blown up and say that I can still go one-on-one and show them that I've changed and I'm I'm a little bit more humble and this, that, and a third. So lucky for me, I was given a second chance. Now I will explain to you who gave me this second chance briefly. Everybody thought I was a crazy person. Everybody thought I was too big-headed, thick-headed to even be involved in pro wrestling. I used to get mad at like wins and losses. Like, fuck Dave, like, come on. You know, like it's, it's not, it's not a real fight, you know? Um, and Mike Bucci, Mike Bucci is the reason why I had a second chance at pro wrestling. Now, Mike Bucci and I became friends on social media. He's a big Dallas Cowboys fan. You might know Mike Bucci as Nova of ECW fame or Simon Diamond. Uh, I'm sorry, Simon, Simon Diamond is another friend of mine. Simon Dean over at uh, WWE with the Simon system. Um, he, he went to bat for me. He did, and he told Pat, he said, this kid, he's a good kid. He got, you know, caught up in his ways. We all do it. Not everybody, but we all, for the most part, get into this, like, I'm the man mentality where you're not. Um, and they gave me another chance. They asked me, do you want commentary or do you want to be a wrestler? I said, uh, both, right? And I was just like, and he's like, look, you can't, either one or the other, right? So 2016 hits, you're not going to believe this, guys. I do another Rumble, right? And I, that was my first match back. It was also the first WrestlePro show. So WrestlePro became, uh, was, you know, PWS was dissolved. WrestlePro starts this new company. I'm back. Um, I do the Rumble. I have a great time. I realize that it's probably not going to be, I'm, I, I didn't ask for the next booking. I didn't ask for anything. I was like, that, that was incredible. I felt great. Felt so long since I've seen all the boys at the Rawway Rec Center, all that shit. And I did that, and when I tell you, they gave me one more opportunity in 2016. There was a wrestler named Christopher Avery Kuehling, kind of like a psych ward patient guy. He's always had, like, failed gimmicks along the way. He's been an independent wrestling for a long time. They finally gave him something where he looks like he just snapped off, like, because all these other gimmicks failed, and he, now he's in the mental ward or psych ward, whatever you call it. Um, and I said to Pat, I, I, I offered this. I said, look, you know, he's, he's been running through the, the entire roster. Let me go and save the day in you know, like a run-in type situation 
and challenge this undefeated monster to a match in which everybody's going to think Dave's coming back for a, a solo match. He's going to be the one to stop this dude. Little did they know that I pitched Rocky Three. Now, I know some wrestling fans out there don't know what Rocky Three was, or some wrestlers didn't know what Rocky Three was, but I knew that Rocky Three was the one where the training was happening. The training was happening in two different ways. Rocky was training in a big-ass facility. He had all the glitz and the glamour and people and cameras and flashing bulbs and just in front of people, not taking it as serious, where Mr. T was in a dungeon just kicking the shit out of a, of a heavy bag, right? Like, and doing all this. And then the fight happens, and Rocky gets sparked and loses, right? So I said, let me get in there, pretend I'm about to just ruin this guy, and I want him to kick the shit out of me. And I'll put the guy over, and I'll say, you know what? He's the future, not me. Unfortunately, for that day, um, I went into that match. We we called the match in the back. Simple stuff. I get up on him real early, and then he's going to just kind of turn the tables and kick me, kick my ass, and, and that'll be it. Unfortunately, his his finishing move was a clothesline, which you don't, if you're not a wrestling fan, it's just literally what it sounds like. You run into a clothesline, guess what? You're going down. This was to the back of the head. Now, it knocks people, quote, knocks people out, but he hits them in the shoulder blades, right? In the shoulder blades, and it feels like the impact comes there, but you sell it like you just got your head knocked off. The move happens. He knocks my head off. Like, there was no shoulder blade contact. He gave everything he got, knocked me unconscious for, I don't know how long, I guess eight seconds, whatever. The, the pin happens. I don't remember the pin. I'm being woken up by the ref, and he's like, hey, it's, uh, it's over. I'm like, what? I was like, you hit me with this finisher yet or what? He's like, yeah. And I was like, oh, shit. And I was like, I don't know what's happening right now. I got loved ones in the front row of that match. They're looking at me like, okay, something's up. His, his look in his eyes just so glazed over. That was the last concussion that I'd ever experienced in my life because that was my last match, 2016. Now, we're in 2023. It's been seven years since my last match. What have you done in wrestling since then? Well, since I came back and I decided to take on the um, the commentary role, I knew I was good at it, and now I personally think I'm the best one out there. I tr Listen, again, not getting a big head, but I know where my skills lie, and I know where my skill set is, and it's behind the mic, and it's always been that way. I became the ring announcer because they couldn't tolerate the other one. I was doing double duty for a little while for a couple of years. I've been to Orlando. I've been to Alaska. I've been to all these places that Peter, uh, WrestlePro was going to, as an announcer, and I got to experience so many things. I got to introduce so many people. I got to interview so many people. I got to do everything that I wanted to do in wrestling without taking another hit or a bump or anything like that. And I think the run, my active in-ring run from 2012 to 2016 was four years. From 2016 to now, which is another seven, is the best run that I've ever had. And I think that that was my calling. Um, the in-ring stuff, do I crave it? Yeah, of course I crave it. I love getting physical in there and doing my thing. Would it be worth it to come back and do one more match? Would it be worth it to come back and and just have that rush? I get that rush. I still get to make an entrance. These guys, they let me do an entrance. I don't need a fucking entrance, but they give it to me anyway. I come out to my theme song, which is Kill Switch Engage, The End of Heartache. Sorry, Roderick Strong. <laughs> but uh, I have that song. I've had that song since Jump Street. I changed it like once uh, for the one match in SWF. Hated how it felt. Um, Kill Switch Engage and The End of Heart was my best friend John's favorite song. That's why I chose it. Uh, I had JD on one hand on my uh, glove, and my other glove I had RS, which was my grandma Rose. I've had their initials. They were with me the entire way. And so do I Do I crave that one more match thing where people are like, well, you know, you're getting bigger now. You know, you're in the best shape of your life now. Well, I'm not. But I'm like, you know, I feel good. Um, would it be worth it? I don't know. I, I don't know. It would have to be the right scenario. I can't go out there and do a one-on-one -on -one match. That ain't happening. I haven't done any. You guys don't understand. If you're not a professional wrestler, you don't get it. The ring wind, right, ring energy is way different, way different than any kind of cardio you've ever done. You could do the Stairmaster for fucking 50 minutes. You could do the treadmill for an hour. You could do the elliptical. You could do sprints, whatever you want to do. Nothing compares to what you're doing in the ring. So I know for a fact that my body wouldn't be ready for that unless I went back to the training school, which I'm obviously welcome back if I ever want to take a couple classes. But I don't think I would go that route. I think personally the best 
mix for me would be like a six-man tag where I can go against three guys that, if you're following my career, there are three guys that are uh, thorns in my side currently at WrestlePro. And, like, can I get two guys to be my partner? Go in there, do the the Dave Classics, right? Not not much. Take a beating, you know, go out there, tag in, tag out, and then the match will be over. Win, lose, draw, who gives a shit? To do it one more time is something that I've definitely dreamt about. I've definitely thought about. Every time WrestleMania comes around, I'm just like, Ah, I can do that. Not get to WrestleMania, but like, you know, just do that one more time and have fun with the crowd and this, that, and the third. But I think I'm getting a lot of that stuff done now as an announcer. I really do. Um, but that's where I'm at now, man. And I don't know what the future holds. I, I got to work for Impact Wrestling once because of Pat and Kevin and the connections that they had there. Um, I, I, and I was doing a pay-per-view. I mean, it was a little bit of a blunder because I got, you know, Johnny Impact's fucking location wrong um, because here I am on the main event stage on a pay-per-view, and why not screw up? Uh, that's just the name of the game, though, man. He made light of it. I made light of it, and now it's a joke to this day. Um, I had a lot of fun in the ring. I, had a lot, I made a lot of memories. I made a lot of friends. And, look, I'm not about to tell you that pro wrestling is this cookie-cutter, awesome, high experience. There is lows. There is absolute lows of becoming a professional wrestler why because you're competing within yourself you're competing against others not so much wins and losses like just to be the best better spot on the card uh more championships won and i'm not saying like you know, again you're not going out there and fighting for real and, and, and beating these people for championships but you are getting the trust of these promoters to give you the belt to be the face of their company i never even went outside of pws and and swf and then WrestlePro. i really didn't I, I did one like upwa which is like down in north carolina i got to travel go to flare country woo you know i <laughs> do that i got to do that that was fun but like i've had a lot of matches i've had a lot of fun i've had a great time but there are some pitfalls to the pro wrestling game you feel like you're on top of the world so you treat the ones that you shouldn't treat bad poorly around you right girlfriends along the way um just thinking that your shit don't stink and you could just be with whoever you want to be with and do whatever you want to do and make all these mistakes along the way because you think you're a fucking rock star when at the end of the day you are nothing in the grand scheme of things you are nothing but a professional wrestler trying to make it in the world stopped acting like you are something different because you're not right Yes, can you be The Rock? Can you be John Cena? Can you be Hulk Hogan? Can you be all these guys? Sure, but I guarantee you, if you sat down and asked them, how many times did you fuck up to the people around you that you loved? They'll tell you a million. They'll tell you a million because they, they, they get ahead of themselves. They feel they're, they're, they're feeling their own shit. They think they're just they're on top of the world and you treat others around you poorly because you think that's how you have to do it because that's the, 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 the portray of, of being a pro wrestler. It's not. Telling you right now, it's not. I went down that road in 2014 when I got hurt. I was, you know, truth be told, popping a lot of pain pills, doing steroids, trying to get back quicker because I felt like if I, I passed up, it was going to be over for me. I blew up. I, I, I'm talking like just the weight gain that I put on, but like in, in size. And I just wasn't feeling myself. And I was like, why am I putting more weight on the top of my body when I got to support my lower body? Because my lower body hurts. You know, like, what are you doing? You're doing it all wrong, right? And in those times, dark times, man, dark, dark times to the point where I was just like, maybe all this isn't worth it, right? Maybe maybe all this uh, this life that I live is is not worth it. And I should probably stop hurting the people around me. How do I do that? How do I stop hurting the people around me? Get rid of me. Yeah. Those thoughts. Yeah. They were there. Right. Um, not fun times. It was brutal for a little while. Get fired from your, one of your mentors. That was brutal. Shit happens, man. You, you just have to know how to respond to it. And I think pro wrestling saved my life in 2012 when I felt down on my luck and this girl was ruining me. Right. But then 2012, 13, all the, I felt on top of the world, anybody that I came across, they just thought like, man, this kid is just so happy, right? Like 2014, 15, not a good time. 16, when I'm welcome back, I had my last match. I made peace with it. I, I took off and I had a, I think a very successful career. Now I'll end with this. There is multiple ways to quote, make it in pro wrestling. I'm well aware that the people with a contract in their hands and paid to do things every single week on national TV can say, I made it, right? This is the pinnacle. This is where I want to be. This is what I'm making my living doing. So you made it. Me, I never signed that contract. I never got offered that contract. I got a couple cool spots here and there, 
but I never got that full-time employment. But if you feel fulfilled and you feel like somebody's chanting your name and you feel this rush of being out in front of a very, very big crowd, it doesn't have to be a stadium crowd. It could be the Rawway Rec Center. If you feel on top of the world and you feel like you're one of the one of the, the biggest stars in the world, even if it's in that moment, you made it. Truth be told, you made it. Because after that, it's when's the next time you make it? Can you sustain that? But if, if you feel fulfilled in the world of wrestling, you made it. I don't care what your income is. I don't care if you're selling t-shirts. I don't care if you're driving trucks on the side. Whatever you got to do to make money and take care of your family, go take care of your family. But when it comes to, quote, making it in pro wrestling, it's the feeling of feeling untouchable. That's making it in pro wrestling. This is not a discredit to anybody who signed those contracts because guess what? They're lucrative, they're nice, and they're things that people strive to get. I knew from Jump Street, from the first time I sucked at taking a bump, that WWE and TNA and Impact, whatever, it wasn't in the cards, and it was not going to be in the cards because I knew that I had a certain skill set that didn't resonate. So I knew that if I could just go out there and perform at my best, do my best, feel the rush of the crowd, hear the cheers, hear the boos, do all that shit, I'm going to feel like I made it. And that might sound stupid to some, but I'm telling you right now, if you're on the independents and your goal is the, the, big, the end game, AEW, WWE, right, Impact, if that's your goal, continue to go. Go, go, go. Don't, tell, don't let nobody tell you nothing. Go. Continue to go. But if you're on the independents and you have a couple T-shirts sold and you have a couple kids calling you their hero and you have a couple parents saying you've done so much for my son or daughter, then you've made it. Trust me when I tell you that. Thank you for listening to episode three of the Dave Starchio Show. We're going to catch everybody up to speed. I think we're all caught up. I think that's the stories. I'm going to be working on some good guests to bring on this thing and have a great old time. And I can't thank you guys enough for the incredible response. It's been awesome. Again, are the downloads like in the million? No, they're not. But the people that are listening, I appreciate the fucking hell out of you. I really do. I really, really do. I really appreciate Anytime you have a chance to say, hey, I just listened or, hey, you know, um, you know, I heard my name. Thanks. You know, like shit like that. Like that's the kind of stuff. This is a personal podcast. This is my show, right? My show, my show. So anyway, with that, I'll see you guys next time. Take care. God bless. And I'll, uh, yeah, talk to you next time.